Welcome back, everybody. There's a lot of music in this episode today. If you want to purchase some of the songs, you can always get them on Apple Music or Google Play. But for your convenience, we have placed links in our show notes to the vinyl albums if you're into that kind of thing. So please check those out. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This is episode two of our Van Halen Breakdown. This one's called The Rise and Fall of David Lee Roth. We want to thank you guys again so much for all of the positive feedback that you're giving us. Uh, we'd like to do another shout out to uh, a positive review that we received on Apple Podcast. This one is from Jeff Harmon. Uh, five stars. It's called 80s Bliss. These guys start breaking down 80s music and movies, and I'm instantly taken back to a wonderful time in my life. Full of fun, debate, and laughs. Highly recommended. Man, I could not have picked a better endorsement of what we do and what we want to do. I'm really glad that we're taking you back, man. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you, man. I also wanted to give a shout out to Dean Marino. He was our first follower on Twitter. Started talking to Dean last year when we were first working on the Van Halen podcast. Dean is at D E A N S. 69Z, and he is the writer of the Van Halen letter and a Camaro fan. So, Cars, Van Halen, all on this episode. Uh, thanks so much for your support, Dean. Really appreciate it, and thank you for the conversations. Oh, real quick, this is episode two of a three parter. Right. So, if you haven't heard episode one of Van Halen versus Van Hagar, you might want to push pause and go back to the previous episode and listen to the birth of the band. But without further ado, here is part two, the rise and fall of David Lee Roth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Surely can't be serious podcast discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts james d graves and jason colvin welcome back for part two of the surely you can't be serious podcast here's a quick recap of last week's episode 1962 they get on a large boat and then after a few nights um they had them get up in between sets and then the next night, they were sitting at the captain's table because the star little boys uh, won everyone's hearts, and so they became the star of the show. That's I think right. at that point, the seed was planted, and they were ready to be stage musicians for the rest of their lives. It doesn't take very long to figure out there are benefits to being the performance. And so they would pay somebody 10 bucks per show to go rent the system, and one of the guys they were renting from was? Uh, this kid named David Lee Roth. kid named David Lee Roth. And so after a while, Alex just said, you know, we need a lead singer and we need his PA system. Might as well get two birds with one stone here and just have him join the band and be our lead singer. In a matter of $10, they land one of the greatest front men of any rock band of all time. And then David Lee Roth was like, you know what? Van Halen sounds cool. And it's your name. Let's make the band name. That was Van David Halen. Lee Ross' idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Once they had gained that big following, they finally landed a gig as kind of the house band for a place called Gazaris. That's right. That's in Hollywood. And uh, oddly, from time to time, Bill Gazari would come up to David and say, Hey, Van, you guys did a really <laughs> good job last night. Let me give you a couple extra bucks. I guess he thought he was like Van Morrison or something. So. <laughs> 
He had a special guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Had a special guitar. So here's something here's something that many people don't know about Eddie, which is just absolutely amazing. The the man was an inventor. He wasn't he didn't just redefine the way that you play the guitar. He created his own guitar. Gene Simmons said, I don't think you guys should call yourselves Van Halen. I think you guys ought to change your name to Daddy Longlegs. Which, who knows? Maybe that would have worked. Mm, nah. No? I don't think so. No, it's not the same thing. And they, right? they do the right thing. When Gene Simmons tells you to do something, after he had branded Kiss, there's going to be a big temptation to, to change. Yeah, how do you not? How do you, I mean, if you're if you're with that iconic figure, how do you not go, yeah, that sounds great. Whatever you say, Gene, That's right. you're the man. You're worth a bazillion dollars, Mr. Simmons. I'll do whatever you say. Right. But they say no. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. We had covered the first two singles off of Van Halen 1. Awesome. This is going to be the rise and fall of Dave Lee Roth. And as always, please hit the subscribe button now so that you never miss an episode of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. So then, where are we now? The third single? Yes. So yeah, the third single is Ain't Talking About Love. This is one of those few songs that they did with Sammy after Sammy joined the band. Uh One of the few Roth songs that made it over. And it was originally supposed to be a punk parody from Eddie, but he just said, well, it just didn't ever really sound like punk i mean it's b punk it's only two chords it's a minor and it's g it's one i was able to pick up um it's it's one of my favorite david lee roth van halen songs it's so good but he starts off that song and he's you can listen to the beginning we'll listen to the beginning of it real quick So you hear how the strings sound different there. They sound muffled, right? It's a technique called muting, where with your right hand, you're holding the pick, but you put your palm against the bottom part of the strings. You don't press them down so much that there's no sound at all, but you press it just enough to mute the strings, and that's what you're doing. Oh, cool. Okay. And so that's that cool sound, and nobody's going to say that these songs were amazing lyrics-wise. David Lee Roth did pretty much all the lyrics, and I think he'll readily admit there's no depth. There's no depth to There's these songs, right? There's uh, definitely some silliness. And... So tell me what you remember, what you learned about uh, David and his upbringing as a child. So Dave was uh, born into a, a family of a successful eye surgeon. We already kind of talked about that. While his dad was bringing them up, his uncle, I think, is a well-known doctor as well, and there's just kind of medical family, and they expected Dave to kind of follow in their footsteps. And But Dave was known as sort of the troublemaker... Uh, the high hyper energy troublemaking kid, but uh, not medical school material. Right. Uh, if anybody can say anything about David Lee Roth, it's good. he's going to suck the marrow out of life. That's his goal, right? He definitely party follows him around. That's for sure. So his his motto was: It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's just how good you look. Yeah. <laughs> and so. I don't can't think of really a more shallow statement than that, um, but that, that was sounds the, like Dave. that's the that's the kind of mantra of his life. And then there, but just you know to to kind of psychoanalyze maybe a little too much. If you listen to ain't talking about love, it says I've been to the edge, I've stood and looked down, I've lost a lot of friends there, baby. I ain't got no time to mess around. I think he probably had a darker side that was related to thinking deeply that he 
actively decided to avoid. You listen to him talk and you know he's an intelligent guy. He's scattered and and obviously manic. He's manic. <laughs> he's way, sure. way manic. But there's definitely a high degree of intelligence that's going on there. But he, I think he has a fear of the deep. Okay, so are we done with Ain't Talk About Love? I, I'm done with it. How about the, the next song, Jamie's Crying? This song is uh, is about a girl who she decides that she she's wanting more than just physical love. She she wants real true love, and so you can tell from the timbre of the band. Dave lets her down easy, I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> see you later. I'll go down the block. <laughs> the interesting thing to me about this song, yeah. Okay, Jamie's crying, 1978. We get a taste of this again. Very successful song in 1989. May have heard of it. May surprise you. Tone Loke's Wild Thing. Let's do it. On uh, that debut album, they they had a lot of success. They didn't have any number ones, but it was a, a platinum album for them. Uh, they came back from the tour and they were exhausted. Eleven solid months on tour, and they I came love back. This story, yeah. When they come back from tour in eleven months of killing it every night, hard work, eleven straight months supporting the album, they get back. The manager of the record company says, "Great job, you guys did awesome. You owe us three million dollars and a new record." <laughs> what, what? 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 Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> They've got another album to come out with, and before we leave Van Halen one, we shouldn't forget that there are many other good songs on there, and this is one of those few albums that exists in history that is good from beginning to end. There are no bad songs. There are no throwaway tracks. Feel Your Love Tonight is one that's on there that we didn't mention. That's right. And then great one, album, front to back, top to bottom. One of my favorites that we don't, it kind of gets overlooked, but it gets some radio plays called Ice Cream Man. I love Ice Cream Man. It is, it was a cover of an old blues song, and it's the only song, maybe, maybe on any of the albums, I haven't really researched it out, but definitely on this album. It's the only one that Dave is playing some guitar on. He's the one for the responsible. I didn't even know Dave could play the guitar. Well, the, the song part that he's playing is not terribly complicated. <laughs> you probably play it with only two fingers, you know. You have you ever be... seen Dave hold a guitar? No. I never have. I've never in my life seen it. But wisely, you know, Dave said when he first saw them on stage, when he before he had joined the band, he saw uh, Eddie play and he said, what he does with his hands, I want to do with my feet and my voice. He knew his place. He knew what he needed to do, and he knew where his skill set was. Know your limitations. Absolutely. So you had Ice Cream Man. You had Feel Your Love. We have several other great songs in the album, but we obviously don't have time to go through all of those. 
After that, they come back. Warner Brothers said, we need a new album. And the album that comes out is? Van Halen 2. Several great songs on that album. A couple of my favorites are Beautiful Girls. Their big, big hit was uh, Dance the Night Away. Dance the Night Away, a great song. Yeah, and it was, again, you're seeing this this bringing what people wanted from disco into rock and roll, right? Dance the Night Away is is uh, Dave obviously Dave's influence and, and making something uh, showy and glamorous with the hard rock and rock behind it. That's right. Also, another uh, notable song, I think, is the opening one. It's You're No Good. It's Van Halen's version of the Linda Ronstadt song. Oh. Yeah, I don't know that I've actually heard that version. Let's I wanna to listen to that. We'll, we'll play a sample of that real quick. Well, feeling better. Now that we're feeling better, baby. I'm over you. I love my lesson, baby. And left the scar. But now I see yeah, yeah, really hard. No good, no good, baby, you're no good. Okay. Um, well, I gotta say, honestly, that was one of the rare circumstances where they took somebody's song and I don't think they made it better. Yeah, I don't. I didn't like it that much. Yeah, no, I think Linda Ronstadt. I mean, number one, she's she's hot back then, and she was hot. She got a great voice, beautiful voice. She usually had Eagles backing her. Thank you too. Yep. Was I wonder if they backed her on that song? I can't remember. I don't know. This is a crazy. I I really don't understand it, but they started recording December tenth, nineteen seventy eight. They were finished recording this album. December 16th, 1978. That's six days. Holy crap. I guess they wanted to get it in before Christmas. They had to do some shopping or something. I, yeah. It was released March 23rd, 1979. Okay, so they released Van Halen 1 in January of 78. They released Van Halen 2 in March of 79. So they tour, and then the next album they they go in the studio is Women and Children First. That comes out in 1980. The big song that I remember from that album is Everybody Wants Some, which is still getting record play today. I, I love, it's still a great song. It is a great song, and for those of you who may be, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but the movie Better Off Dead with John Cusack, uh-huh. there's a big sort of dancing hamburger uh, <laughs> animation oh thing in the middle that uh, is set to Everybody Wants Some, and that's how I learned that song. That's a weird scene. That is a strange, strange scene. It's a great movie. We need to talk about that movie sometime. All right. So then, uh, anything else to say about women and children? First? Uh, the only other one, uh, another, you know, another big song was "And the Cradle Will Rock." And the Cradle Will Rock reached number fifty-five on the uh, Hot One Hundred. At this point, you're still really not seeing very many rock songs. They are still one of the few bands that you're that you're seeing on them. Nineteen um, eighties is the time when sort of Kenny Rogers and sort of pop country was big on the charts. Lady, I'm your knight in shining armor, and I love you. Sure, you had Southern rock uh, doing well as well, but it just still wasn't the hard rock, other than. 
Van Halen. So after this album comes out, they go on a tour. Yep. So it's like album tour, album tour, album tour. Working hard just like they did when before they were famous. Okay. And this whole time, Eddie's been working on material. Uh, he wants to come up with a solo album. And that's what Fair Warning was actually intended to be, was an Eddie Van Halen solo album. And that's why it's a little more darker, a little more guitar uh, heavy. It's creepy. And uh, not a fan? It's not. I, I'm not a fan. Unchained is great. Don't be wrong. I love Unchained. It's a great song. But the the majority of the album is not. It's not to my taste. And I'm not saying it's a bad album. It's and I, there are tons of diehard fans that will love it. But it's just not my. It wasn't my favorite. Me either. Unchained is phenomenal. That song, that's the that's the bright shining star in that album for sure, without question. A lot of people don't realize, but at this time in 1981, this is when we have the first major tension between Eddie and Dave. Dave is wanting to be more pop. Eddie wants to be more rock. That's crazy because they flip sides later uh, on. Absolutely flip sides. So Dave wants to be more pop. Eddie wants to be more rock. And um, everybody's getting tired of Dave's ego, I think. And, and Eddie can be a pain in the butt, too. And you couple him with Alex and... The thing about people who are able to achieve this type of success in these type of fields is that they have to be kind of full of themselves. They have to be extremely confident, which is what led them to each other. I mean, Dave, right. saw, Dave saw Eddie's ability and confidence on the stage. They saw Dave's swagger and thought, this will be something that fits for what we want. And so... Obviously, it works very, very well, but those tensions will eventually come to a head. Okay, so moving on past 1981, past Fair Warning, which to me, the only thing worth talking about on that album is Unchained. Right. You go into 1982, they come up with this idea that, hey, we need to take some time off, but we want to stay relevant. We want to stay out front. Let's, I got an idea. Let's just do a cover song, put it out there. We'll make a, a video for it, and we'll stay in front of people. And so Dave comes up with the idea, and he says, well, let's do Dancing in the Street. Right. And Eddie says, no, I don't think that's a good one. Let's do Pretty Woman. And so they say, okay, let's do it. And they come up with it, and it's and it's great. And it's they put it out, and it's this massive hit. Number 12. Reach number 12, which, again, knowing that we what we know, what we've said so far, a hard rock version of Pretty Woman getting that high on the charts is amazing, but it locks them into another issue. That's right. And the, the record company says, you got this hit song, but we don't have an album. We've got to have an album. You guys got to get back in the studio and produce an album to go with this hit song. Right. Which, before we get into that, have you ever watched the video for Pretty Woman? No. It is the weirdest. Okay, so we know music videos at 1982 are weird and they're cheap and they're all these things. Right. 1981, by the way, just for a reminder, is when MTV first came out. Late 81. August of 81 is where when MTV came out. Right. And so in 82, the music video, there's there's less than 300 music videos out there. <laughs> so this mu- this music video, Pretty Woman, if you watch it, you have these midgets who are sexually assaulting this woman who is tied up. Oh my they are groping her. Oh my gosh. Okay? And so 
Michael Anthony gets a phone call, but he's a samurai. And then he calls oh my word. his friend, Jungle Boy, Alex Van Halen. He's got bones and he's like a caveman. Uh-huh. And so he calls his friend, gunslinger, Eddie Van Halen, uh-huh. who then calls his friend, David Lee Roth, who is dressed like George Washington. Okay, now actually I can I can kind of remember that part because he had a very Adam Ant look about him. <laughs> I'm thinking that I, I just have blocked out the midget problem. I don't think that's a PC anymore. Little people. The lady is <laughs> being attacked by little people. This woman is being assaulted by little people. So, yeah. so back to the album. Five of the 12 songs are covers. And the band, they're not getting along and... Uh, they really kind of consider this Dave's album because they would never have done this many covers on an album. That's right. And this is the Van Halen Brothers' very public least favorite album. It's the least favorite album of the Roth albums for most folks. Right. But let's keep in mind, they set a world record at this point in their career, which kind of indicates it doesn't really matter that they're not doing what they feel is their best work. Just after their tour for this, they decide they got to get away from each other. Dave goes with their head of security, and they travel down to the Amazon. Now, you know, the rest of the guys are married. They're going to go be with their wives and family. But Dave and a handful of security guys are down there on a boat in the Amazon in the jungle. Um, Interestingly, this guy, the the security guard, who was their head of security and looked like a total kick-butt guy, said that he, you know, when they put him in charge of security, the first thing that Dave said to him when he came in is, do you have a problem with drugging and drinking? He said, no. He goes, do you have a problem with underage girls running around and having fun? And he goes, no. And he goes, can you roller skate? And the guy says, no, but I can learn. <laughs> and so he was he was their head of security. And he, he developed a system where if there was going to be a problem in the crowd, they had sectors and zones of the crowd. They were like, hey, problem in sector five, row seven, man in the black t-shirt. Well, Dave very quickly caught on to this mapping concept. And so even in the middle of the show, he would bebop himself over to one of the security guards and go, okay, sector 15, row three, red shirt, blonde, give her a backstage pass. Yep. Come on, Dave, one break. Hey, 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 one break, coming up. And so all of the, there was a system, like all of the security guards would hand out the backstage passes for Dave and maybe for the other guys, but really for Dave. And they would sign their name to the back of the pass. And if Dave had a deep and meaningful conversation with one of these ladies that had the badge, the guy who had the name on the back of the backstage pass, he got a little extra money. Got a nice tip. That's right. And if it was really deep and really long... You got a lot of extra money. That's right. So, Incentivizing the help. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to know where your priorities are. <laughs> Use the system that's in place. So Dave in the jungle. So Dave's in the jungle with a security guard. They they end up in one port. They call back to the to the U.S. to talk to people, and they're like, "Hey, you guys got to get back. The we have been asked to do the US Festival, and so the US Festival was something that had been put together the year before by Steve Wozniak. The Woz. Of Apple computer fame. Yeah, co-founder of Apple with Steve Jobs. Uh He was disenfranchised with the 70s, which had been the me generation. And so he put together this thing called the Us Festival because he wanted the 80s to be the Us generation. 
And the headlining band for that festival was... Van Halen. And do you know what the record is that they set? So, Guinness Book of World Record, they got $1.5 million for a 90-minute set. They do an hour and a half set. They make more money than anybody has for that, but tensions are still high. Tensions are high. Even a million dollars an hour can't cure some of the tensions that are going on. No. So, during 1983, they begin working on a new album. Yep. To come out at the very end of 1983. Yep. And that album is called 1984. For me... This is the best of the Dave albums. This is my introduction to Van Halen. Sure. This is where I jump in. But this is a new Van Halen. Yeah. So my introduction to Van Halen is the new Van Halen. Absolutely. Which is partly why I think I'm partial to Sammy later on. But the new sound begins here. As I said before, this was my introduction to the band as well, um, and you couldn't help but uh, be inundated with Jump at that time in history. It was the it was the first single off the album. It is their only number one hit, and if you got the opportunity to watch MTV, it was on all the time, and it was fascinating. It was fantastic. It was it was four guys on stage with no crowd. I mean, it's just them it's jumping. Like, it's like a black room with a black drop cloth. I mean, there's nothing happening. There is literally nothing going on. They're in weird clothes. They're, you know, I, there's uh, leopard skin tatters of clothes on stuck on to, <laughs> to, to Dave's body. And he's making love with the camera as much as anybody could and then doing these amazing acrobatics. Dave's a pretty limber guy. Uh, yeah. He can do these jumping high split kick. Yeah, doing the full splits up in the air off of the drum stand. Yeah. Does it flip in the video? Yeah. I remember Jump being the intro to all the Cub games on WGN. Right. All that whole summer, right? Oh, wow. Jump is everywhere. The diehard Van Halen fans uh, are, are getting mixed reviews. Some of them are sticking with them. Some of them are like, I don't know what's going on with these guys. Now, if you listen to the rest of 1984, there's plenty of pure, hard van halen hits on that one no doubt um and a couple of them are are popular now you know the you get those guys who think they sold out and so then all of a sudden if it's popular they're not interested anymore yeah i don't care about you i hate those guys (laughs) (laughs) because you love the popular i love radio friendly hits that's what resonates with me right i I like that i don't i'm not one of these guys like ah radio top 40 sucks um before we move on from jump yeah Jump was listed by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of 500 songs that shape rock and roll. Nineteen eighty four is the first single and biggest hit that they ever had is Jump, as we've said, and then there are three more singles that come off of that album: Panama. 
Hot for Teacher, and I'll Wait. Drop Dead Legs is another great song off the album, but I don't have a lot to say about that one. Drop Dead Legs is a fantastic stripper song. Okay. <laughs> I I don't strip, so I don't know. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, so let's talk briefly about those three songs. I'll Wait was a top Se- 13 hit for him. It was the second release. It went to number 13 in the Hot 100. Yep. No video. No video for that one, which is interesting. As big of a hit as it was, and as obvious video heads that they had become, especially Dave. But uh, more th- synthesizer on this song as well. But the use of the synthesizer, I'm going to have to say, yes, it was a crossover, but that is why this was the number one hit. That is why why I'll Wait was such a big hit, is because that synthesizer allowed them to cross over to a broader audience than they had ever had before. No doubt. And so they've got these other singles. I love Panama, maybe my favorite song off of the album. Here's something interesting, and I didn't bring it up when we talked about Van Halen's debut album, but they covered a band when they were in their early stages called Cactus, which I had never heard before. But there is no question. I mean, the boys have as much admitted so. Several of the songs that they have, they totally have borrowed some part of a song. So the intro to Hot for Teacher with the drums and the guitar coming in is almost identical for a song called Parchman Farm by Cactus. Eruption was a song that, again, the intro was very similar to a song called Let Me Swim by Cactus, and we can play those uh, side by side as well. There's no question he's borrowed these. You listen to him. It's undeniable. But 
He's improved them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's Mozart. There's somebody that nobody's ever heard of. That's right. So, Panama reaches number 13 on the Hot 100. Yes. Hot for Teacher comes out. This video is one of my favorite videos of all time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With the young Van Halen boys running around the school terrorizing. Right. You've got Miss Phys Ed and, uh, you know, misspelled and Miss Science or whatever. and. <laughs> The, the teachers running around—it's—it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Absolutely, you got the beginning part with Waldo. You—you've got his kind of awkwardly sighing mother, and then when Waldo speaks, he's got this unusually deep voice. Ah, oh, mom, you know I'm not like other guys. I'm nervous, and my socks are too loose. You know who that voice is, right? No, that voice is Phil Hartman of Saturday Night Live fame. Oh. Phil Hartman, God rest his soul. Of course that's him. Oh, that's perfect. Gets on the bus. Sit down, Waldo. So Dave is the one that's responsible for the videos on both Panama and um, in Panama. You know, they I think they they did a thing that seemed to be happening a lot back then, which was videos of the concert where they're flying on cables. Like sure, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi was doing the bon same Jovi thing. Bon Jovi stole that and living on a prayer. Absolutely. Bon Jovi was like bouncing all over the place they look awful these guys look fun right they're they're flying and drinking beer and playing the guitar it's it's amazing stuff and so their success is beyond what it has ever been in history they are literally at the top of their game and they hate each other this is where it falls apart dave's ego is out of control at this point eddie and dave are locking horns and Alex sides with Eddie, of course. Of course. And Michael's in the crossfire. But Dave comes up with a new album, a solo album, called Crazy from the Heat. Right. So he had criticized Eddie in the past for playing with Michael Jackson. And this is something we talked about on our first episode, that the guys were doing other things. Michael calls Eddie. We play guitar in the song. Sure. And then that one ends up being a number one hit, and the album keeps 1984 from reaching number one status as an album. So Dave and the guys are pretty pissed about that. And you see it in one of his videos that comes out from that solo album, is he kind of is mocking Michael Jackson in the Just a Gigolo video. That's right, he does. As all of this is going on, is that they would call these band meetings to get together and write songs and talk about what was going to happen. Yeah, so they would have these band meetings at 8 o'clock in the morning, which is crazy for a rock band to try to do anything at eight o'clock in the morning right but the group consensus is anytime you heard the words band meeting everybody was like oh gosh so eight o'clock in the morning they were supposed to be there to write and play music dave would show up about 11 start a fight and then leave yeah probably with a couple girls right and i can totally see dave doing this and so then just like he was upset about, he, unbeknownst to them, goes and finds another group of guys to play with, produces an album, a four-song album, which he says, hey, you know, any album's only got four good songs on it anyway, I'm just cutting off the fat. As it turned out, there were only really two good songs on the album. <laughs> so it still worked out to be about the same, but, but as a surprise to the remainder of the band, he releases Crazy From The Heat. Crazy From The Heat. Now, 
Now, this is the ego speaking right here. He does an interview with David Letterman in early 85 talking about that album, and Dave is trying to find out what's going to happen with the rest of the band. I think now's a good time on New Year's to decide whether you're going to be a hot dog or a little weenie. <laughs> beautiful i have chosen to remain a little wiener for one more season you're gonna be a weenie for another year yeah you bet all right you're doing solo work is the is the does this mean that the band will soon be uh breaking up no no that happens you know that does happen that's that's the spinal tap story no i still have very (laughs) i still have very strong tribal instincts and we'll be going into uh the studio like the middle of this month and start arguing again and we'll we'll come back out with an album sometime this year hopefully he has this full expectation that the band's going to stay together Mm -hmm. but you just you can't do that. You can't be the guy who goes and trashes the meetings, the guy who berates somebody for going and doing work with other people, and then pull off this stunt and expect to remain in the band. He also had a movie deal on the table that was annoying the band as well. Well, as I said earlier, he was the directing force behind their videos, which are fantastic. I mean, they're great, well-put-together videos. He's obviously playing a part in this. He's developed this kind of Dave TV idea. It was the big thing for about five minutes. Yeah, Yeah, he really, really was coming up strong, but there's only so much wind power that can take you when you don't have your name band behind you. That's right. So we've heard rumors that he was fired. We've heard rumors that he quit. Either way. I don't think there's any question that he made a decision that led to his exit from the band, but that 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 decision was probably not his to leave, but theirs to say, you don't belong here anymore. You've, You've pushed it too far. So Dave's out. Dave is out. Dave's out in 1985. Right. At the pinnacle of their professional career. Right, and so everyone is wondering what's going to go on, including Eddie and Alex. They sure. don't know what they don't know what to do. Um, they don't know whether to get another bass player. They don't know whether to do a kind of compilation album where they've got multiple singers performing different songs with them, or to try to find one singer that they can go with. That's right. And the smart money at this time was probably on Dave. Yeah, if you were if you're like, who am I going to back? Is it going to be Dave or Van Halen? I mean, Van Halen is not Van Halen without David Lee Roth. It's just not. And that's why Ted Templeman went with Dave to produce Eat Him and Smile. Right, and he called Eddie and said, I'm sorry, i got to go with Dave on this. And the crew, too. And Eddie said, that's okay. I don't really want you to produce our albums anymore anyway. Well, he didn't take everybody. Don Landy stayed with them. Don Landy then became, instead of the sound engineer, he became the producer. He became the new Ted Templeman. I just rolled myself up in a big... So there's some discussion in 1985 about whether or not to hire a full-time lead singer or to just do an album with guest lead singers. Right. But one of the so here are the names that are kicked around as Dave's replacement. And some of these blew me away. Uh, by all accounts, including hers and Eddie's, the lead option to replace Dave is Patty Smythe.
Great voice. Not sure she's a fit for Van Halen. No freaking way. <laughs> no. All right. So she was the lead option. I think she Patty was- Benatar. That would have been a great one. Patty Benatar could have been an option. <laughs> Pat Benatar had some <laughs> kick buck songs and was rocking Shake back and whale, man. All right. Option number two, Jimmy Barnes, which if you've ever seen The Lost Boys, you're familiar with the song Good Times. Oh yeah, that was the one that he did with NXS. That's right. That's a great tune, and he does. He's got a strong voice. I don't know if it's the right voice, but it's it's a, it's deeper, more like Dave's. Yep, it's a, it's a screamer. Yep. All right, and then option number three, a guy named Eric Martin, who you'll know if you have heard '90s music at all, the song "To Be With You" by Mr. Big. So come on, baby, come on over. Let me be the one to show you. I'm the one who wants to. So he was the lead singer for Mr. Big? He was. Okay. He was. That's an entirely different sounding voice. Absolutely. Softer. He's got, still got a raspy, good voice. Yeah. Melodic. Um, but this is the one that blew me away. This was an actual offer on the table. Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates. I love Hall & Oates. I, I listened to uh, Lion Eyes. Was it Lion Eyes? Private Eyes. Private Eyes. Lion Eyes is Eagles. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I listened to Private Eyes over and over, but uh, not a Van Halen. How about how about Eddie yeah. playing Your Kisses on My Lips? Uh-uh. Or Kisses or on My Or Unchained Melody or something. Yeah. yeah. No, no way. All right, so... There's very few people that can actually step in for Dave. They have to be established or the fan base will chew them up. Right. And they have to have balls of steel to get up there and rock out to these old ones and then pursue a new career with these guys. Right. So who do they go to? They go back to the Montrose guy. They call Sam Hagar. And it makes absolute sense, and I thought so at the time. He had done very well with Montrose. He'd been very successful. Then he went out on his own solo career Everybody knows the song, I Can't Drive 55. Love video, fast cars, frustration with this. For you younger listeners, in the 1980s, no one was allowed to drive over 55 miles an hour anywhere in the United States. Can you imagine how horrible that was? Especially if you own a Lamborghini. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, you know, here's the candy, but you can't keep the wrapper on that's it. That's right. Can't, yeah, it's just, I don't, I, that'd be horrible. And so as it turns out that the Lamborghini that you see, in, well, maybe not that one, but a, a Sammy Hagar Lamborghini comes into play with the joining of Eddie Van Halen That's exactly right. and Sammy Hagar. Sammy's car's in the shop. Right. At the and, same time, Eddie's car's in the shop. Yeah, Eddie also had a Lamborghini, which, by the way, that is the car engine that you hear in Panama. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot tonight. I can barely see the road from the heat coming up. 
That is Eddie's 1972 Lamborghini. But he's having trouble with it. He takes it to his mechanic and is down. And the mechanic says, what's wrong, Eddie? And Eddie says, man, I need a new lead singer. And he says, man, why don't you call Sammy? Sammy from Montrose. Right. So Eddie actually takes his advice, calls Sammy and says, hey, man, we'd love you to come jam with the band. Let's, let's see what we got here and come down tomorrow. And Sammy's like, man, I ain't doing nothing tomorrow. I just got off tour yeah, he just shaved his head. I mean, it was. I mean, right. he cut his hair. He was. It was a. He had. He was on vacation. Right. I'm taking a break. And honestly, he's one of the few guys that could say, "I don't need you guys right now." That's right. I'm. I'm really successful on my own. I'm not Van Halen successful, but I'm successful enough for me. And he is a savvy businessman. If you learn anything from his biography, it's that he knows how to run a business, he's and he's sharp. a business guy. Mm-hmm. And he's been around for a long time. He's older than all the rest of the guys, and he knows his stuff. So he's got no reason to have to do this, but he just says, you know, what the heck, it's, what's the harm in meeting? I heard him say publicly in an interview that he went initially to jam, see what see what they had, see uh-huh. what was going to go on, yeah. and hopefully entice Eddie to play on his next album. Oh, nice. To form a friendship, maybe Eddie will play on my next album. Right. Well, when they get together, he shows up. They're baked out of their minds. They are, they are drunk, and the whole place is covered in cigarette butts, and it smells like a, a bar that hasn't been cleaned in 10 years. And, right. Um, and but then they, they start playing. They start playing, and magic happens. Oh, yeah. He says to himself, my gosh, if they can sound this good, completely burned out of their minds, these guys know how to party and they know how to play. This is my type of show. He said literally that day, they played and words just sort of came out of his mouth Uh and Summer Nights was born out of that jam session. Right. Just just flowed right out. Scatting scatting the melody. That's it. Yeah. So uh, he's he's known as the Red Rocker at that point, um, and and he's uh, got his own fame. And so the first time that I saw him, uh, other than in his video, was during Farm Aid. Which, gosh, if you go back, you can search, you can do a YouTube search on this one and see the old Farm Aid video. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Um, he was he was a unique guy. He's he's very free with the language, very colorful. Yes. And he's with his regular band, and then he says, uh, "We was looking at a newspaper, right? And it said that Eddie was going to jam with me." And I thought, "Well, I didn't know that." But Eddie comes out, and they play together, and they do an old Led Zeppelin tune, and they kill it. They kill of it. Of course, they kill it. This was for all the world to see their first chance to play live as a group. And he bombs it with the big MF-er. Well, I saw a lot of cuss words whenever I watched it. I remember that. <laughs> so anyway, Warner Brothers. So it's kind of like a super group. You've got a very successful solo artist. You've got the three parts left over after Dave left. Right. It, are we still going to be Van Halen? Right. Warner Brothers actually came to him and said, would you consider changing your name to Van Hagar? Which I think is interesting. I thought that was always just kind of a... A slang term, but yeah, like a joke or a, the first time I heard it was on the movie Joe Dirt. <laughs> no, sir, man, I don't like that crap. I'm a rocker, dude, through and through. Here's my favorite bands: ACDC, Van Halen, not Van Hagar. And Sammy's the one who says, "No way, not doing it." Right. Um, so anyway, they 
Sammy officially joins the band in 1985. And we will take that up on our next episode, part three of the Van Halen versus Van Hagar discussion. Right, next week, Van Hagar. Wow. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. At Shirley Podcast on Twitter. At Shirley Podcast on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Shirley You Can't Be Serious Podcast channel. All music images and movie clips are used for the purposes of commentary and education in conjunction with the fair use agreement under the U.S. copyright law.